We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace on pacerstalk.net i'm your host for tonight's show alex golden and joining me as always is my co-host mike Fachi. Fachi, what's going on man alex i'm doing great but these indiana pacers are doing even better winners of three straight 10 of their last 13 i couldn't come up with something to complain about even if i tried yeah, I know. You're definitely right about that. The Pacers have been rolling. But before we dive into some recaps and some game previews, I just want to tell everybody that's listening, I know it's going to be Wednesday morning for most of you guys, but if you're traveling, we hope you guys are having safe travels. And from us at Setting the Pace, we just wanted to wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving. That is right. The holidays are approaching, so we wanted to give you a little bit of content to listen to on that drive home if you are traveling. Uh, but, hey, Alex, what do you have going on this Thanksgiving well, so so my family from Ohio is coming in town, uh, I believe Wednesday night. I'll be over at my in-laws on Thursday, and then Friday, my whole family from here is going to Chicago for the day. So I'll be in Chicago Friday and then returning home. We didn't want to spend the night too expensive to pay for hotels in Chicago. I mean, we're trying to, trying to get that budget ready for that, you know, Black Friday shopping, and, you know, Christmas is coming up. It's going to be here before you know it. It's just crazy, so... Going to do that. Then Saturday, it's our tradition. Me and my wife will be setting up our Christmas tree. We wait till after Thanksgiving. I don't do it before. Uh, no Christmas music is allowed before Thanksgiving for me. And we'll get all that 
the house decor set up. And then other than that, Fachi, that's about it. So pretty fun, but pretty low-key at the same time. How about you? I hear you. I got a lot on the agenda. I'm making the trip back to New York, going to oh, see nice. the family. We are hosting Thanksgiving at our house. Then the next day, I have my 10-year high school reunion oh, coming wow. up. Uh, I actually got uh, thrown into Planet All, so that has not been fun. Wow. Uh, everyone's everyone's got something to complain about. There is no making everybody happy, but you know me, I'm gonna try. Uh, and then got a little two hand touch football the next day. Okay. I'm ready for it. You know, gonna relive the glory days a little bit. Uh, the, the flag football season this year went absolutely horribly, so we're gonna try and redeem it. You know, this year uh, it, it's gonna be good. Even got my brother playing, so you never want to go up against two Fachi brothers. Well, uh, hopefully you, the Fachi brothers have more success than the Denver Broncos. Uh, that's that's going to be easy because these Broncos, Alex. Your Broncos. Is, oh, my God. It is horrible. They are about to make their ninth quarterback switch since 2017. That means one in every four games we have switched quarterback, even if it's been someone already on the roster. That's ridiculous. All righty. Well, I don't think anybody wants to hear about the the stupid Denver Broncos. No, they don't. uh, Before we jump into our Pacers content, I just got to ask you because I love talking about Thanksgiving sides and and food and stuff like that because I'm a fat guy. So I apologize if you guys want to skip through this, you know, just click the next 30 seconds about five times and you'll get through it. But Fachi, what is your favorite side? Stuffing. Big time. Stuffing? Out of all the sides, stuffing. Sweet potatoes also. Big time sweet potato guy. Is it marshmallows or no? I love it. If you're throwing marshmallows in there, I'm going for seconds. Okay. Do, do you like the turkey the best or the sides where you go? The sides. Turkey's good, but for me, it's kind of about what you, you're dressing it with. Okay, it, it could be a little top, bland. Rank your time. top five. Your top five sides. I mean, I, I go with – I love me some mac and cheese. So mac and cheese has probably got to be right up at the top. I'm going to put stuffing at number two, sweet potatoes at three. And then uh, at that point, probably – crossing over into some some mashed potatoes and uh man the fifth the fifth is if we got another a new guest at the table yeah yeah sure we'll go with that (laughs) what about you alex what would be your top five uh you know it's really hard for me because i just love all the sides for the most part uh i actually don't like canned yams though i've I've tried those so many times not a big fan just not a fan of those. Uh, sweet potato casserole is okay. The older I get, the more it grows on me. Same with stuffing. Like stuffing, I did not enjoy that as a kid, but the older I get, the more I like it. So honestly, for me, number one might be a bit of a shocker, but I, I absolutely love green bean casserole. Uh, there's just something about green bean casserole with the crunchy onions on top that just really get me going. So I would go green bean casserole, macaroni number two, mashed potatoes number three, then I would go probably with stuffing at number four and then five. You got to have a good roll when you're eating your Thanksgiving meal. It's just not the same. And then, of course, the desserts. Uh, you can't overlook those. I love hot apple pie with a little bit of ice cream. It's just my thing. Pumpkin pie is good too, but if I got to pick between the two, I'm going hot apple pie with a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream. Oh, oh, that's a strong dessert right there. Now, <laughs> since my birthday is always close enough to Thanksgiving, that's typically when I'll celebrate it with my family. So there's always some cake involved. Okay, so what's your, I'm cake? Always what's your go-to cake? Uh, I love me some Funfetti frosting. So we're, we're typically, I, I am a big <laughs> Funfetti frosting guy. So we're getting some birthday cake in there every single year, and I'm never complaining about it. 
All right, all right. Well, let's move on. We're going to recap that game against the Memphis Grizzlies last night. The Pacers were pretty much dominant from start to finish. Fachi, first reactions to that game? Uh, I had not one thing to complain about. Everything clicked on offense. The starters were back together for just, I believe, it was the third time all year they got to use that lineup. Right. Uh, and a season high in points, 126. Alex, I didn't realize this until after the game. The Pacers, 18, made threes last night. It was one shy of a franchise record. Well, and it's funny because they did talk about that in the post game. how McMillan has been pushing the guys to take more threes. They want to do that. That's part of their game plan. So I think we need to like maybe stop harping on McMillan for that. But uh, at the same time, you know, the players that are on this team, they're just guys that will take the open shot. I mean, there's an entire article about that uh, on T.J. Warren talking about how it frustrates him that people are wanting him to take the three so much. He just wants to take the open shot. And honestly, like – you know, I'd rather them take an open two than a contested three. But also, I want them to work on spacing. And I noticed mm-hmm. Miles Turner a couple times last night. You could tell he was a lot further behind the arc, allowing them yes. to have more space. And when you have drivers like Brogdon, like Warren, like Lamb, having more floor spacing is only going to help. And that's one of the big things that I took away from yesterday. It's true. Uh, I know I, I've noticed that also with Turner getting a little pushed out there. That was something that I referenced in, in the roundtable article that in order to really get the spacing going, I mean, unfortunately, I think that's kind of where Miles is going to have to be a little bit more. Uh, the bigs really, I feel like, weren't utilized as much last night, but they didn't have to be. Yeah. Uh, TJ Warren was aggressive last night, and that's what I love to see because his shot, it, it was going in. Just uh, – a great game from T.J. Warren, and then I also just feel like it was great to just have Brogdon back. You yeah. know, like it wasn't it wasn't like the most uh, Brogdon like performance that we were seeing in the beginning of the year, but it was just a good overall solid performance. Happy to see him back, and Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb Your was guy. someone who that's my guy. Uh, I know that he kept Kristen. I kept mentioning it in the broadcast yesterday how. When they made that last timeout in the second quarter, you know, Lamb was scoreless. After that, finishes with 19 points. He really got it going at that point, and it was just great to see. So I feel like that's the starting five that we had been waiting on, and they outscored. I know they're start, our starting five outscored Memphis' starting five by about 12 on a very efficient shooting. I think it was 23 of 35 for the starters, so couldn't couldn't complain about that. Yeah, that's what I was just going to mention. The the starting five, not one player shot under 50%. Uh, mm-hmm. Sabonis went five for eight. You know, not a lot of shot attempts for him. I mean, he's been putting up a lot more and only get eight attempts. You know, he made five of them, got 13 points, could have hit a couple more free throws. He did miss a, a handful there. Yes. T.J. Warren, very efficient, 11 of 15. Miles Turner, this is my only complaint that I had in the bad for this column was he went three of five. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that Miles Turner, and we talked about this, he's going to become the fifth option on this offense. And unfortunately, he only got five attempts last night. And especially if he's not going to play with the second unit, he's not, I mean, there's just so many scorers in that starting unit that are going to get more looks than him. And I just, the ball runs through Sabonis a lot and the wings. So Turner is basically, like I mentioned, just going to be a stretch five. And that's what they're using him as, is just to stretch the floor. He'll occasionally be involved in the pick and roll, but most of the time it's Sabonis running the pick and pop. And Turner only had five attempts. Brogdon went six of 12, and Jeremy Lamb went eight of 16. So both those guys went 50%. So just one of those things, Fachi. I mean, really great efficiency from that starting lineup. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, if there was one thing I could critique a little bit, it was that the Pacers barely went to the free throw line. Only 10 yeah. attempts out of the starters. Only Sabonis and TJ Warren shot free throws. But at the same point, that was a night where the jumpers were falling. You know, they, they really were. I mean, they were 18 of 33 from three. It's basically 55%. So uh, the, the jumpers were going in, but I would like to see this team get to the free throw line a little bit. Uh, I thought in the first half, Sabonis was really being aggressive. Got Jaron Jackson into foul trouble. Mm-hmm. was really getting the line. I like to see that. Uh, but with Turner, it's like, you know, no free throw attempts, just – it's not this wasn't on him at all it was just he didn't i didn't feel he was as involved when you mentioned the fifth option yeah at times that's probably what it's going to be well and honestly i i think that we just kind of have to accept miles turner's role for what it is he's going to be a stretch three that blocks shots i mean he had five blocks last night this is one thing i really wanted to hit on today when we talked about this game was just the incredible blocking that he's been putting up the last couple of games i mean against the magic against the Against the Grizzlies, he really has made a difference, and that's what he's being paid to, to be. You know, and a lot of people mentioned that, uh, as far as reporters go, they were saying that his contract is not a starter level contract. So it kind of makes sense. The Pacers view him as a starter, but he's not like a go to guy. And I think that not having him as the numbered sec or number two or number three option is, is a good thing. I think having him as the fifth option really just shows how deep this offense is because Turner is a good, efficient shooter, and he can score when he's you know being used in that role as a second or third option. But not having to force him into that role is great, and I love seeing what I'm seeing from all of the other guys. I completely agree. Let the game come to him because from a shot-blocking standpoint, you're talking about the best shot blocker in the NBA, and he's, he's shown it since he's been back. Five blocks, three blocks, three blocks, four blocks. I mean, he's really been – there was a span in that second quarter where I think he had like three blocks in honestly what felt like a minute or two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thank God and luckily John Morant was all right. But there was – right when he got blocked, before he got hurt, I was thinking like, John's going to think twice about coming in on the paint on Miles Turner again because – Miles was really sending everything back. It was great to see that job return and everything was well. But, you know, I felt like Miles Turner was really setting the tone, defending the paint, and it was just awesome to see. Well, and one thing that you have to also look at is John Morant. Like, I don't remember what time of the game it was, but there was one point where he almost dunked on Turner. Yeah, and see, yeah, that was revenge in the second half. Yeah, so almost that's what it. I thought. I thought it was in the second half. So, I mean, yeah. You got to admit, like, you got to love Morant's t- tenacity because even though Turner had altered some of his shots, like, he, he wasn't afraid to keep coming back at him. And that's the sign of a, a star in the making, right there, in my opinion. But as far as Turner goes, I mean, we, we talked about it. We, I, I've questioned how important rim protection is. And I thought Sabonis was actually doing a pretty solid job of, of rim protecting when Turner was out. But, you know, Turner's just an elite rim protector. There's he no is? there's no doubt about it. There's no denying None. that. And I think that Sabonis has actually done a decent job defending the perimeter. I mean, last night Jaron Jackson had 28 points, but how many of those were like threes, two or three feet behind the arc? Like those yeah, are shots like you six want three pointers last night. Exactly. I mean, last night was a career night from Jaron Jackson from behind the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was times where it's like, okay, you almost just let him shoot at times, and it was impressive. <laughs> He was, I mean, he was kind of feeling himself. Year, but, yeah, but at the same point, it was like, wow. I mean, yes, yeah, six three-pointers for Jaron Jackson. But at the same point, 
this Pacers team, they were running away with the game. They were up by as much as 29 at times. So it, it was great to even, you know, see some of the, the younger guys get in at the end of the game, like Alizé Johnson, my boy, oh, here we coming go. off a massive G League performance. But we'll, we'll you know, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, so was there anything else from this game that really stood out to you? The only thing to me that I really wanted to touch on was the bench play. The, the bench play, it, it was just very good. I mean, Aaron Holiday, you know, yeah. when, when, so here's what we talked about. When Brogdon comes back, what is it going to look like for Aaron Holiday? Aaron Holiday had been averaging basically 30 minutes per game uh, while Brogdon was out. He ended up getting 18 minutes, but he was very effective in that game. At one point, he was 6 of 7 shooting. So it looks like and TJ McConnell got 19 minutes. So it looks like basically for the most part, the starters got right around 30 minutes, and then the bench got theirs. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so exactly it was awesome. what it was. Yeah, because it, I, it was so important to not – squash the confidence of Aaron Holiday because the last few games we've seen that confidence rise and I think it's been very important and he's really gotten in a flow he scored in double figures I believe in seven straight games uh and TJ McConnell I mean that's this sums it up my girlfriend said who's that guy I feel like he's everywhere and that that was like everything right there because TJ McConnell shout out Amy shout out Amy aka babe but uh TJ McConnell has been that guy. And right now, they showed the, the graphic. Only Travis Best had more assists off the bench per game for the Pacers than uh, TJ McConnell averaging about 4.8 assists per game off the bench. Yeah, and if you know anything about Travis Best, you're surprised that Travis Best even had any assists because he would late, wait till the last second, dribble the clock yeah. out, and make a pass to a teammate or throw up a terrible shot. Uh, Travis Best had a lot of flaws in his game. There's no doubt about that. But Aaron Holiday, what we've been saying all year long is that he needs to let the game come to him and quit trying to press and quit trying to force. And I think, honestly, the injuries came at a perfect time for him because McMillan had to put his trust in him and allowed Aaron Holiday to settle down into a role. I thought him playing next to Brogdon was huge as a starter. And then Mm -hmm. bringing him off the bench, playing with McConnell as the two-guard, I think that is his perfect role. Yes, they might be a little undersized, and there might be games when you can't play them both because – the opponent's bench is a little bit bigger. But I think that there's a lot of games where you guys can get away with it. And Aaron Holiday is a good enough defensive player that he can guard twos that are more mm-hmm. athletic. But, you know, it's it's going to be tough when Oladipo comes back. Obviously, Lamb's going to come back into that shooting guard, small forward rule. Personally, right now, uh, I, I think Justin Holiday is probably the, you know, oddball out right now if you look at who was playing last night in the rotation. You obviously need Goga to play the first half center minutes, like I mentioned would happen on my tweet, because I'm just like, that's what TJ Leaf did. TJ Leaf had a great first half against the Magic, but, you know, he didn't play in the second half because McMillan was Sabonis. So he he likes to play at least Sabonis or Turner the entire second half there. So honestly, I I was completely fine with the rotation. Goga got seven minutes in the first half. Good for him. And, you know, McConnell and Hall, they look good together with, Justin and McDermott, those four were huge last night for this team. And honestly, they kind of got the Pacers rolling after that first quarter. They really did. This this bench, while it might be the same players, is not the same bench from the beginning of the year. They have really stepped up. I mean, I think it was the bench was averaging like 18 points per game through the first yeah. like three to five games. And lately, they have been way better than that. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They had about oh, about 45 points last 47 night. 47 last night. 47 last night, and I believe it was exactly 47 against the Magic. 
Uh, well, so they're going to average. That's going to be huge because you need that. I think I think McConnell needed to be in that second unit because of the like you mentioned. Amy said he's all over the place. You need Everywhere. guys that can do that. You know, and McDermott. I I have absolutely loved what I've seen from McDermott this year. Tony East put a article up on Forbes.com. I haven't got a chance to read it, but I saw the headline and basically he said that he's being more aggressive this year, and I can mm-hmm. see that. I, I think that he's definitely looking for his shot, and he's. Only shot five shots last night, but he's taking the shots when they're there and not forcing. He's yes. constantly moving without the basketball. He's, you know, just a terrific player off the bench. He's a threat from beyond the arc, and the Pacers need three-point shooting. Aaron Holiday is a great three-point shooter. You know, McConnell's not a really a great three-point shooter, but Justin Holiday has proven that he can hit the, hit, hit the three if he's left open. Mm-hmm. So with yep. all these options, Goga can hit the three. The Pacers are really versatile. That's That's the best way to describe this bench, versatile. It really is. And just to go back on TJ McConnell real quick, I mean, he had a great save on the ball going out of bounds. He threw it off someone's leg. And then, obviously, he comes, he hits that that runner at the end of the third quarter. Oh, yeah, the I mean, drop. that Exactly. Loved it. I mean, it was just all those – I mean, that's like everyone already talked about it. But, like, that was like that Corey Joseph moment mm-hmm. of, of the previous year where it was just like everyone was just so excited. You saw the whole bench. That's everything you want to see when, when all the teammates – are in it, they're involved, and right now, this Pacers team, I, I think that, as I mentioned, they're getting healthy, they're clicking. After a rough 0-3 start, they've really rebounded, literally and figuratively, and they're looking diverse across the board. The ball movement, 29 assists yesterday, I mean, this is it's hard to find a flaw in yesterday's performance. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think we pretty much you know, hit the nail on the head with that conversation. But I do want to go back and look at the Orlando game because mm-hmm. that one was a little bit more of a nail-biter. Unfortunately, yes. our guy, Sabonis, lost his double-double streak. But he still I led know. the Pacers. He led the Pacers in scoring. Uh, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, was 9 of 15 from the field. Aaron Holiday, you know, had, a, had some moments there. Didn't look great, but he mattered. When it mattered most, though, he came through in the clutch, hit the big three, and Quinn Buckner called it. He said, oh, his feeder said he's going to hit it. And that's why I mentioned I love the way that he plays off the ball. And then Justin Holiday had the game-winning steal for the team that sealed the deal. And once again, the bench was really what brought the team through in that first half because that's the starting unit got off to such a slow start. T.J. Warren, one of four on that game against the Magic for just two lousy points. Uh, Turner had 10 points on four of nine shooting holiday, six of 13 for 13 points. You know, these are all under 50% that we mentioned was different in last night's game against the Grizzlies. So personally for me, like, you know, Sabonis was the only really good starter in that game. And then it was the bench that carried him. And then Aaron holiday hit the biggest shot when it was needed the most. It's true. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, that, that Magic game was almost in jeopardy. And the Magic, while the record isn't good, they are one of the better defensive teams in this league. But, the but Pacers they were still without matched. Vucevic and Aaron yep. Gordon. And Terrence Ross I, I, did not play good. I know, and that is your guy, so that must have hurt you deep inside. I know that. But, <laughs> deep inside. Yeah. He was 4-12 from the field. <laughs> I know, I'm saying points. He came in hot, though. Yes, yes. But, you know, I, the Pacers, they still end up shooting over 54%. But, you know, as you mentioned, Aaron Holiday down the stretch, right around the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter, the Pacers went cold. Yeah. They just they, – they, it just was not working out. Sloppy turnovers, couldn't make any shots. Aaron Holiday had two huge baskets. It was like with about a minute and a half roughly to go. 
He had a basket, and then that three-pointer where Justin Holiday draws his defender away, gives him the space. Holiday hits it back-to-back, just big performances coming off that Nets game, then the big shot, and then it was just awesome to see the Holiday brothers close it out. But when you touched on that bench in that game, 47 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists, just three turnovers, and their collective shooting, 18 of 27. The bench— it, it, to an extent, it sounds like they carried the Pacers at times, and that's that's awesome to see. Uh, it, well, hey, yes, it's still the magic, but it, it was a win that, that carries over. It keeps the momentum going, and I, I thought that that was just great. The Sabonis double-double streak, Alex, I'm not going to lie, I, I never wanted it to end. I felt like it could have went on forever, <laughs> and, and it hurts that it did. It was I was getting selfish, though. We got no, the win. That's, that's all that matters. Right. Well, and here's the thing. I honestly felt like having those four days off made the pace a little bit rusty. Um, I think so. Trying to get back into the game rhythm, the game flow, and just trying to get that feel for the game again. You know, like it's when you have such a long break, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like when you're on a diet. You know what I mean? And you take a little break to cheat for a little bit. Well, it's hard to get back on that diet once you've already yeah. cheated. But, you know, eventually the Pacers – did that you know they got a lot of games coming up and so this is their longest break of the season hopefully we don't see another you know drag like that where they just look rusty i'm okay if the guys are just not having a good night i mean that's going to happen mm-hmm. throughout an 82 game season but like that after all that rest i think a lot of pacer fans were expecting them to just blow the doors off of the orlando magic who were without two of their best players but i think again not having brogdon made a huge difference in that game um and especially evan fournier i mean he was unbelievable the magic put up 40 points in that third quarter i was getting a little nervous i was like man jonathan isaac had a huge game as well he was all over the place but you know i didn't ever really fear the magic in that game i just like the pacers can just calm down get this under control they'll be fine so personally that's just my thoughts on that game and honestly it was just nice to get this homestead started with two wins you know i two two more games and both games are winnable Yes, I, I think no offense to the Magic, but I think this was a good tune-up game after uh, being <laughs> off for a couple of days. Yeah, no offense. I, I think against a better team, you know, it could have been rougher. But the Pacers, uh, for what it's worth, they shot 54.4%, which was the highest in any game of the season. And against Memphis, they shot 54.3%. So back-to-back, best shooting performances of the year so far. I feel pretty good rolling into the upcoming schedule, which does get harder. So I, I think that we're we're healthy now. We're flowing. Uh, good things are ahead of us, Alex. Yes, they are. So you want to take a quick break, and we'll, we'll come back, and we will preview that game against the Utah Jazz on Wednesday night. What up, everybody? Mike Focci here. And if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. Alrighty, everybody, we are back, and we just got to hear a great promo from our guy, Mike Focci. Gotta love when Mike Focci does some reads there. It's uh, it's always exciting to hear him with that great, upbeat background music. But anyway, Focci, let's dive into this Utah Jazz team. They're 11-6 on the season a lot of a lot of hype about him and of course a famous pacer is back in town the one and only the beloved Bojan Bogdanovic Bojan how to do it uh you know i, can't I think do this it. is That's a great 
<laughs> I think this is a great test for the Pacers against a winning team at home. Yeah, you know, the Pacers are seven and two at home. I, I think that the Jazz are that team where you, you start to say, "All right, you know, this is a good Western Conference team. Let's see how we stack up." Because unfortunately, the Pacers have had the easiest schedule in the NBA. I know we spoke about it. We can't control who we play, so all we can do is go out and play the schedule that we're dealt. Uh, Boyan is having a career year. Uh, it, it, he's going to be tough, and Donovan Mitchell is balling this yeah. year. But the good news is, and hopefully he's you know obviously healthy. You never wish injury on anyone. Rudy Gobert is questionable. He missed last game, and Ed Davis's backup is out. So the Jazz may be a little bit thin at center, and we do kind of know Gobert has had Miles Turner's number in the past. Right. So. Gobert is dealing with a left ankle injury. He's missed the last couple of games with it. Not sure if he's going to play, but we know that his presence will be huge if he does because through the first 16 games of the season, the Utah Jazz are number one in defensive rating uh, at 102.6. I believe that Denver and Miami are tied with them for that uh, number one defensive rating. So they have been on fire. Now their offense is only 106.2, which is in the mid-20s. So, uh, I believe it's actually early 20, so 21, where the Pacers' offensive rating is at 14. So the Pacers are a little bit better on the offensive end of things as well. So, you know, it's just a team that you have to keep your eye out for. I don't necessarily find them to be a powerhouse in the Western Conference like some other teams do. I think they're good. They're deep. But Joe Ingles has been shooting horrible this year. I think he's like 20-some percent from the three-point line. Bowie has been on fire. Um, yes, you know, I love Donovan Mitchell. They also have uh, who's who's their backup point guard that they got. I can't think. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Moutier. They got Moutier. Yeah. From yeah. Uh, you guys probably remember him the most with Denver. He got drafted, I think, in the same draft class as Miles Turner, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, he so, was a high pick. I believe it was yeah, about number, six or seven. Yeah, I think seven no, overall. Yeah, I think it was seven. I think number six was Kristaps to the Knicks. So Emmanuel Moutier is a backup point guard. Dante Exum has been. Kind of iffy health-wise has had issues. They just they just have a good team. And then another Indiana native that will be coming back home was usually on Memphis for the last 10 years or more. But uh, Mike Conley, a starting point guard for the Utah Jazz, and he's kind of had an up-and-down season so far early in this year. But you, you got to be afraid of this team, and I think it's going to be a really good challenge for the Pacers. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Conley, uh, he did have that up and down. Start of the season, very rough. I mean, he dev- definitely does look like he's taken a bit of a step back. But when you're on a winning team, you know, compared to Memphis, your stats aren't always gonna gonna reflect. Um, I do think though that there there are some things that work in our favor. I mean, one, the game is in Indiana. The Jazz are only three and five on the road, okay. so I think that that there is an opportunity there. Um, also, the Jazz rank last in the NBA in offensive rebounds per game and bottom five in assists per game. So the, there are certain opportunities here where if Gobert isn't playing and Ed Davis is out from a rebounding standpoint, I mean, after the first few games, the Pacers are one of the best rebounding teams lately. They're their yeah. top ten right now, and if you take out those three games, I would imagine we're in the top five. So there, there's a few opportunities here. Um, and I, I think with the Jazz, I mean, obviously it's going to come down to limiting Donovan Mitchell and Boyan. I, I, I feel good about our team. I, I think that we're a deeper team. I think that the Jazz, as you mentioned, you know, as great of a defensive team they are, Rudy Gobert is the guy who's going to flip this game from one side or the other. 
Right. Uh, so if, if he's out, I'm feeling real good about our chances. If he's in, I still think this is a 50-50 game. I really yeah. do, and I think being at home, I think it could give the advantage to the Pacers kind of being on this area where we have gotten healthy at the right time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Utah is going to defend the Pacers. Now, they, I think Royce O'Neal is in the starting lineup with Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley Jr., Bojan, and Miles Turner. So they've kind of got a little bit smaller. I'll be interested to see how they defend the Pacers' big lineup. I would assume that Gobert would get the matchup of Sabonis, and they would probably put Bojan on Miles, which would be a little bit of a mismatch on the post, but... Like we've mentioned, I don't really think that's Miles' game. It never has been, never will be, so I think they can get away with it. Uh, I would assume Royce O'Neal, being their best defender, will probably guard T.J. Warren, and then you'll put Mike Conley, of course, on Malcolm Brogdon, and then Donovan Mitchell on Jeremy Lamb. So really, I think there's some good matchup cross matchups there. Uh, the only one I'm kind of worried about is putting DeMontis Sabonis on Bojan Bogdanovich. Uh, in a cross matchup because we know Turner will more than likely guard Gobert in the post because we know Turner plays the five on defense where he plays the mm-hmm. four more on offense. And so Sabonis, uh, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough matchup for him having to go out there and guard a stretch four like Bojan, someone that can take him off the dribble, can hit the three. And, you know, especially if they're able to funnel, uh, sub- not really funnel, but if they're able to get him to drive into the paint where Turner's there for help, you know, you still got to watch for that help side with the Gobert. So, uh, like you mentioned, not having Gobert would be a blessing in disguise. But at the end of the day, I'm still worried about those perimeter matchups. Alex, this is as revenge game of a revenge game as it gets for Boyan. I, I feel like he is going to come out cooking. But why is it a revenge I, game? He's the one that took the more money. It's not a revenge game. It, it, it is in the sense of, like, yes, it's not revenge like he got cut or traded, but it's against your old team. It, it just spices it up. It gets the blood flowing. I think that Boyan is going to come out, and he's going to be shooting nonstop. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's well. I think he's going to have a good game. I do, but I, I do think that the Pacers are a deeper team that right now, I mean, the Jazz bench is— That's what we're going to have to win at Fachi right there. Exactly. It, it, it's not scary at all. I mean, they have four players who score in double figures, and obviously all starters. And I'm not going to keep saying if Gobert is out, but if Gobert is out, I mean, this team is thin. So uh, I, I feel good about it. I like our chances. The Pacers have done it in a collective effort lately. But I just think that, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling good about our chances. I think we're flowing at the right time. Well, and here's what I'll say. I think the Pacers need to take this as a challenge because they do. They have not been given the credit that I think they deserve because look, they've been beating on bad, beating up on bad teams, but they've been dealing with injuries all season long. So it's not like they've been really putting their best team out there, especially considering Oladipo hasn't even played. But I mean, like you mentioned, this is the third game that the starting five was supposed to start without Oladipo that you had at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. Only three games they played. Good grief! I mean, it's like this is a chance for these guys to prove. Hey, we're no slouch. You know, Utah is considered a title contender in the Western Conference. You know, we're in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, there's teams that have better records than us, but this is a good chance for us to prove, hey, we've got the guys and the and the talent and the ability, we've got the depth to, to hang with anybody. We can see ourselves as a title contender this year as well. And I know that not maybe the front office doesn't believe that or the coaching staff does, but the players, there's something about pride that's got to come in here. And, and they need to take this game as a personal challenge to prove to the entire NBA community, 
hey, we're no joke. We are a legit contender. Alex, a Bulls fan had the nerve to say to me after I said we're 10-6, he said, yeah, but you haven't played anybody yet. Oh, well, we beat the Bulls. I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, you're a Bulls fan. You guys stink. It was. I mean, they haven't beat basically anybody. They, you know, so it's at the point of, hey, we beat the Jazz. I don't want to hear you guys have the easiest schedule out there because this would be a real quality win. And I think, hey, why not us? Why can't we go out and get it at home where the Pacers are historically a good home team? And this year, once again, 7-2 and two at home. It's set up for us to be able to finally get that one real good win on the year. I don't feel good with Orlando and Brooklyn being our better win so far. Yeah, and I think this will give the team a, a big confidence boost. I mean, I think so. E- even if they lose this game, I think there's a really good chance they beat the Atlanta Hawks on Friday night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So at least you go three of four, and win a three. You win three of four in your homestead here, which is huge because you don't get a lot of home games in a row like this very often. So you have to take advantage of it. Being able to sleep in your own bed, be with your family, try to put those distractions aside. I think that's what's beautiful about road trips sometimes is, you know, you're not in the comfort of being at home and, you know, being lackadaisical. I think when you're on the road, it's it's more team building and stuff like that, which I'm excited for. The Pacers have a nice little bit uh, of a road trip coming up here after this homestead of four games. So um, really excited to talk about that on our next show. But as far as the Jazz go, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be probably their toughest competition they've had all season long by a, yes. by a long shot. And, unfortunately, they're just going to have to figure it out. So, any other uh, things you want to talk about as far as previewing this game? Uh, nope. I think that pretty much covers it. As you mentioned, you know, with the homestand almost coming to an end with Atlanta, Patriots are going to be on the road for six straight games. Uh, so, they're on the road five for straight six games. in a row? Five. Okay. Five. So five Actually, straight. I mean, that's okay. a long road trip for the Pacers. They don't gotta usually pro- have those. Got to protect home court while you can before you go on the road. So let's get the job done. Yeah, and I, and I mean this home. I mean this road trip is it's pretty difficult. I'm not I'm not yeah. sure who's all in there, but I know we got Philadelphia on Saturday. Um, do you have the schedule up, Foch? I do. I do. So it's going to be Philly, then Memphis again, Oklahoma City, Detroit again, then the Knicks. So so you know it's it's winnable. That Philly game is going to be tough, but I think that we can beat Memphis again. You can beat the Knicks for sure. Oklahoma City, we we you know honestly personally escorted them out of our building last time, so I think that we can do it again. Well, Detroit, they'll probably be looking for some blood after that. I, I think so. I think so. Uh, but I think that Detroit is going to be the team that they have Blake Griffin now, so I yeah. think that's going to be a harder matchup than before. Well, I think all those games are really winnable. The only one I'm yes. really concerned about is Philadelphia just because they are the powerhouse teams and they have manhandled the Pacers' big men, especially Joel Embiid, for the last couple of years. So, anyway, Fachi, the last thing we have on here is our fantasy um, our fantasy numbers. So, let's cue the music up and let's hear the fantasy numbers. All right, Alex. Well, another week in the books, but this was a short one. Only two games on uh, so far that we're covering. And in that, the Ferocious Focci's scored 130.5, so we stepped it up a little bit. However, the Galvanizing Goldens, unfortunately, scored 154. <laughs> oh, so, let's go. Sabonis was the big scorer on the week. That brings our totals on the season. The Ferocious Focci's. 
927. The Galvanizing Goldens, 1,241. Oh, wow, my man. It looks like the Galvanizing Goldens are foil when you put it in the microwave. They are catching fire. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> that, that was uh, quite the quite the joke there, Alex. But, uh, you know, it, Sabonis is honestly doing the work of at least four of my players right now. It is nuts. The man is a stat sheet stuffer. Uh, and, uh, man, if only I won that coin toss because I would have loved to have Sabonis on my team. Well, you could have drafted a little bit better. I mean, it's not like my bench guys are, you know, not helping me. Uh, you had some, I'm going to be honest, Alex, some rough performances on that bench. All right, Jakar, zero. TJ wow. Leaf, nine. And Oladipo, zero. Gogo only had ten. So Okay, well, what about McConnell? Four? McConnell was good, 33 and a half. Yeah, you could have had yeah. him. What about Justin yeah. Holiday? Uh, 26 and a half. Pretty, pretty strong. So who else did I have? TJ Warren. Uh, TJ Warren had 22. So yeah, he didn't not, do not good. Best. That magic game really killed that, me. That magic game honestly killed his production. It did. Yeah, but I could he have had like back. 170. Oh, yeah, you could have had a big one. You could have. Um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, what? You Brogdon, had Miles Brogdon only played. Pick. Well, you picked Sabonis first. Well, so. there's other guys there. Who told Turner to miss six games or seven games or whatever it was? Turner's the fifth option on offense now, my man. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is now. I mean, coming in before the season, I had to see that for myself. Uh, but you know for I next mean, year. Uh, oh, that I do. That I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. And on Instagram at Pacers Talk. I don't believe there's anything else on there. You can follow us on Twitter as well for Pacers Talk Net. I'm at Alex Golden NBA and Fachi is underscore F A C C I. So we appreciate the support. Once again, everybody, have a happy Thanksgiving. Stuff your face, watch some football, enjoy time with family, and just appreciate it. So until next time, peace out, Pacer Nation. And most of all, let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.